Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And West, the 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. It was a busy three days here at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. There was another story, obviously, that dominated a lot of the NFL landscape with regard to what is going on between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know how this is going to work out. What I do know is this. You and I aren't going to solve the problem. <laughs> so we're not going to spend time talking about it. Instead, we are going to talk about the Packers draft from this past weekend. Nine selections in all, one trade up as the Packers had gone into the draft with 10 selections, came out with nine. I called that, by the way. You did. You did. You nailed it. I said they would still get 10. I thought there'd be a trade up and a trade back. We didn't get the trade back. We got the trade up. So they end up with nine. I want to break this down for today's show, at least, into two segments. The first two days of the draft, the first three rounds, and then we'll move on to day three. The first couple of days, the Packers get Eric Stokes, the cornerback from Georgia, Josh Myers, center from Ohio State, and then Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson. Brian Gutekunst trading up seven spots in the third round, surrendering one of his fourth-round picks in order to get the wide receiver from Clemson. What were your thoughts here after the first two days? Because when we went into this, we were talking, okay, you know, the priority positions, offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, and then kind of right underneath that maybe would be wide receiver. Well, out of those four, the Packers came out of the first two days of the draft addressing three of those. I think things worked out about as well as they could have hoped. Yeah, the Packers never draft for need. They, they always say that. It's not about needs. But I will say after the first five rounds, really, they hit on all of them. Mm -hmm. They hit on, I think, every position that you and I talked about, maybe with the exception of inside linebacker. But as you and I have also talked about, that hasn't been a position where they've put a lot of draft, draft capital in, uh, at least in the last five or six years. So that being said... I, I thought that this was exactly what Green Bay needed to do. The positions where they didn't necessarily have a pressing need, but they wanted more competition, they got competition at. Uh, with Eric Stokes coming in now from Georgia, a guy, it's so funny, Mike, for all those years it was always like, oh, wow, he runs like a 4-4-2 or something like that. These guys are getting faster and faster and faster. <laughs> yep. There's just more people now that are breaking sub four threes. And it's just Stokes like all those pitchers in Major League Baseball that can throw 98 miles an yeah. hour now. Like every team in Major League Baseball has them. Now every team in the NFL has these guys that can run four three or even sub four three in the 40. It's just the way athletics is going these days. Yeah, so you went, you know, you had Jim, you know, Jair Alexander and, and Darnell Savage. Both of those guys were sub four four guys. Well, now you add Stokes into the equation. Uh, a guy that really, I thought, came on towards the end of his career, uh, looked a lot more comfortable, but can play a number of positions. Uh, I think when he comes into Green Bay now, a secondary that returns everybody at this point in time other than Raven Green, right. there is a great opportunity for him to build into that battle, whether it be with Kevin King outside, maybe they do some shuffling around with the nickel spot, a lot of things to figure out there. Josh Myers getting selected in the second round kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit because that's the highest the Packers have drafted a center in some time. Uh, being able to acquire a guy, though, that also comes from Ohio State, that also wore number 71 for Ohio State, uh, I thought was a big get for them, though. And at six foot five, Mike, there is some positional versatility there that he's not just kind of saddled into one position. Green Bay, and again, we'll, we, we'll talk about Amari Rodgers at, at great length here, but 
throughout this these three days, I just thought that this overall roster came out a lot stronger than it was going into it. Yeah, it the 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 Stokes pick is is interesting to me because we talked a couple years ago when Brian Gutekunst made the big splash in free agency, signing the Smith, signing Turner, signing Adrian Amos, and he talked about. You know, the reason the Packers made the investment they did in those players is because they felt those were players on the rise with the arrow pointing up, right? Eric Stokes is exactly that type of draft pick because you look you look at his college career, it's like the speed was there, the coverability was there. You see these stats that he's breaking up a bunch of passes, and then, but he doesn't have any interceptions. Yeah. Then what does he do his last year at Georgia? In 10 games, only 10 games, picks off four passes, returns two of them for touchdowns. Suddenly it's like, here's where the arrow is pointing up, right? And that's the guy that Brian Gutekunst wanted to jump on. Now, a lot of analysts said you could you could get Eric Stokes in the second round, maybe even late in the second round. He was the guy that analysts were saying, well, that was like a reach like late in the first round. Well, we'll see because, you know, again, it's it's about the projection. It's about the crystal ball. It's not about what the guy has done, but it's where they project him to be headed. And Brian Gutekunst sees Eric Stokes as another Jair Alexander type that can be a big-time cornerback in this league for a long time. Yeah, and sometimes, Mike, there is something to be said for if you have a guy and he's your guy, to go get the guy, to get the player. I, I love that story that Brian Gutekunst <laughs> told of Ted Thompson when they traded back into the first round to get Clay Matthews. And what this is in relation to the trade with Amari Rogers, but you know him saying, "I want the player. <laughs> I want the player." It happens that way sometimes. It's not that you're overdrafting them. It's that that's what the Packers board read. Uh, he obviously had a first-round grade or darn yeah. near close to it for Green Bay to feel comfortable staying there and drafting that guy. And again, for the Green Bay Packers to be able to add to that secondary, I think is really big. There were a lot of strides that they made last year, but there were some hiccups along the way too. To me, I looked at this draft as sort of a finishing time for this defense. Okay, this is we're going to give you a couple more pieces here that we feel that we need to instill here to be able to make the defense make another stop because because look, the rest of the band has been held together yes. there were contract restructures this and that you know to fit under the salary cap and and to keep the unit together you have a new coordinator now who's going to be running things but for the most part you're going to have the same cast of characters on the field in 2021 and to throw stokes in that room now he said he's watched a lot of jair alexander film respects his game then i who think wouldn't, that's gonna right? be a really good compliment <laughs> who wouldn't right who wouldn't yeah, yeah. exactly yeah but I mean, but that also shows you, Mike, how far this thing has gone. I mean, it was only three short years ago that Jair Alexander was the 18th overall pick, and everybody's kind of wondering, okay, who is this kid? Is he too small? Is he is he going to be able to compete with receivers at this level? And then here we are, age 24, and the guy's arguably the best in the game now. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the second round, you, you couldn't have almost a what could turn out to be the most serendipitous pick yeah. of uh, of the draft for the Packers. The Green Bay loses Corey Lindsley in free agency, longtime center here, drafted out of Ohio State back in 2014 in the fifth round. So here comes Josh Myers, center from Ohio State. And lo and behold, war number 71 for the Buckeyes, just as Corey Lindsley did back in his day. Now, I don't know if Josh Myers is going to be a starting center for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. 
it sure sounds like he's going to be given an opportunity to compete for that job. Obviously, Lucas Patrick is in that mix. Patrick can also play guard. Elton Jenkins is in that mix. Jenkins can play anywhere across the line. Myers can also play center or guard. And you talk, as we mentioned before, about the athletes and where things are going. I don't know if we've ever talked about a six foot five center guard, but yet we're starting to see that more in the yeah. NFL now too. Centers and guards are not they're not the the Scotty Wells's, you know, the six foot, you know, more of the squatty like wrestler types. That's not necessarily who's playing center and guard in the NFL anymore. No, I think I think Seattle was actually the one. If I I want to make sure I give the right credit there. That sort of opened the Pandora's box, the forbidden door, if you will, <laughs> uh, to taller uh, centers. I think it was was a Justin Britt. That yeah, made I think a move. Britt. Yeah, and he was six six or six five at least, and he ended up being a very serviceable guy for them for a number of years. As I mentioned with Myers, what's intriguing about him? There's a couple things to it. One, I love the tenacity. I love the fact that this is this is a guy that got a turf toe injury in the Big Ten championship game kept playing through it. And, and again, turf toe injury is difficult for anybody. Just ask Devontae Adams. But when you're anchoring game after game, snap after snap, you're not coming off the field. You're at that access point in the offensive line. He felt his goal, the reason he chose to go to Ohio State is he wanted to win a national championship. He was that close to it. He wasn't going to let that take him out. So probably aggravated it in the semifinals. Didn't do himself any favors in the national championship game and ultimately had to have surgery. But to be able to push through that, I think, says a lot about the, the man. And obviously the Packers felt good enough to draft him. They cleared him. Second-round pick, that's a big pick to use on a center. But furthermore, you know, and, and we'll talk about this probably on later shows, but Green Bay ended up going with three offensive linemen in this draft. They took three offensive linemen last draft. You don't know when you're going to get David Bakhtiari back. Maybe he's back week one. Time will tell. Yeah. You know you already lost an all-pro center, and you lost a really important veteran piece in Lane Taylor, who was a starter going into last season. Yeah. So Green Bay had to give themselves options. And, Mike, pound for pound, just looking at it on paper now, I'm not saying it's it's the most credentialed offensive line the Green Bay Packers have had, but one through ten now. Uh, there's a lot of investment that they've made here, and it starts with Myers in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about some of the other um, draft picks as well, but the Packers drafted three offensive linemen in this draft, three in the last draft, three offensive linemen amongst the undrafted yeah. rookies that uh, that will be coming into Green Bay as well. So uh, that the, the position competition uh, on the offensive line come this summer in training camp and the preseason games for the roster spots, practice squad, playing time, like all of that is, uh, is really going to be interesting. I, you mentioned, obviously, the injury with Myers and how he toughed it out through the end of the season. And that's actually when I wrote the story on him on Friday night, the full-length story on our website. I kind of focused on that. It, 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 it's something that struck me in the moment just because in terms of doing all the draft research, and not just this year, but over the last couple years, you always hear about these guys that they sit out the they sit out their team's bowl yeah. game and this and that. And I'm not being critical. I mean, right. guys are going to make their make their own decisions for what they think is most important for their future. And as we went through the COVID season, you had a lot of players in college football who opted out and didn't play. And everybody has their reasons for doing that. I get that. But what Myers did just really struck me because he knew he was potentially a you know top 50, top 75 potential pick in this NFL draft. And he kind of put all that aside for his team. 
you know, to try to go for a national championship. And when he got hurt in the Big Ten championship game, he didn't say, no, that's it, i got to shut it down. I'm getting drafted in a few months. You know, I've, I've got to get ready to move on. It's like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't his approach. I just think that says a lot about his personality because not everybody in that situation, I don't care if you play for Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or who you play for, not everybody in that situation with that significant an injury and with the draft coming up in just a few months would have uh, would have made that call and he's he's a he's a guy that I'm really anxious eager to uh, to get to meet and really get a sense of, of what he's like and get to know a little bit more about him because unfortunately because of that he didn't test at the pro day at Ohio State so we really don't know you know benchmarks or those type of things where he stands but uh, but certainly he did talk about you know he knows Corey Lindsley a little bit Corey had a little bit of fun with him on Twitter as well <laughs> mentioning that you know obviously that lineage of centers at Ohio State, but sure. you could listen to Matt Malspeed. I mean, just how highly he spoke of that program, the way that they develop offensive linemen. They hope that Josh Myers is the next good one coming out of the Buckeyes. Yeah. Well, in the third round, the Packers get Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson. And one thing we know about how this went down is Brian Gutekunst was bound and determined to trade up in the third round to get Amari Rodgers because he actually, and he doesn't always do this, but Friday evening after the second and third rounds of the draft were completed and Brian Gutekunst addressed the media, he actually said in the second round he was choosing between Josh Myers and Amari Rodgers. That was the choice he was making at the end of the second round. They chose Myers, they bring in the offensive lineman, and then all he wanted to do in the third round was find a way to trade up and get Amari Rodgers. He did not want to lose this guy yeah. and um, sounded like there were a handful of potential trades that fell through. Um, eventually makes a trade with Tennessee to be able to move up seven spots from number 92 up to number 85 and get the wide receiver from Clemson. And uh, this is going to be an interesting piece added to Matt LaFleur's very creative offense. Most intriguing prospect I think that Brian Goodkunst has drafted to date on the offensive side of the ball now Packers have had a type here for a number of years with the type of receivers that they look for when you look at Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez Scantling there's a big difference between those two guys and between a guy like Randall Cobb that obviously had as much success that he had here they've gone bigger they've gone lengthier but this is a little bit of a throwback but as Goodkunst said this guy isn't small. He might only be in that 5'10", 5'11 range, but at 220 pound, 212 pounds, carries his body well and has some good length to him. Yeah. But, Mike, what did I say? I said it in Inbox. I said it on this show. Everything that I was talking about going into this draft. We are going to learn a lot about what the Packers' commitment is to having that jet sweep, gadget type, yes. receiver, running back, whatever, whatever you want to call them, in this offense in a year after they go and take Josiah DeGuara who I mean raised some eyebrows but you know a multifaceted Swiss army knife type of offensive tool player yep. in the third round this year in the third round they get another one of those guys although in a different form I'm so excited about Rodgers the more I learn about him the more I hear about him out of Clemson I mean this guy is absolutely beloved uh, he's an intriguing guy from an athletic standpoint that in and of itself but then when you listen to his backstory and who his father is, T. Martin, national champion at Tennessee, yeah. you, you learn about the ways that Clemson used him, the team leader that he was, the first two words in his bio on Clemson's website, consummate professional. 
this guy brings it all, and, and I, I know he left a really positive first impression on the Packers' brass, and that's why they felt comfortable enough to go up and get him. Yeah, what really struck me about this pick, not just the trade-up and, and the stories that Gutekunst told afterwards about how determined he was to make that move and get this guy, but all leading up to the draft, we were hearing about you know these speedy slot receiver types, and this draft was really deep in those type of guys. And there were a whole bunch of them out there that, you know, were between the 170 and 185 pounds, you know, the, the, not just the short, but smaller yeah. guys. And the Packers decided to go the route of that type of guy who can, who can run like that. But as Gutekunst himself said, is kind of built like a running back at, at, you know, 5'10", 212. And I just think that's a, that, that's an interesting decision on the part of the Packers because, there were a whole bunch of wide receivers taken before Amari Rodgers who are not 212 pounds. Yeah. And they, they were, they were the, not just the shorter, but the smaller guys. And, um, but in terms of, you know, playing in the NFC North, playing in the cold weather in the wintertime, and then the way the Packers want to use, you know, use a guy like this in all these different facets of the offense, the jet sweeps, the, the slot, even on the outside, whatever the role might be, they wanted somebody who's they really feel is going to hold up over the course of 17 games, and that's why they went and got the 5'10 guy who's 212 pounds, not somebody who's 175. Yeah, and I, I just I I think it's the perfect time for that type of player. I mean, with all due respect to Tyler Irvin and also with you know Tivon Austin coming in last season. Both of those guys were on the smaller end of that spectrum. Explosive athletes, and I think Irvin had a great run here in Green Bay. He obviously is a free agent now, mm -hmm. but got banged up with the wrist and with the knee and whatnot. Then you look at Austin comes in late in the season, and it was trying to figure out a way to get him in there. I think what we learned from that is that the Packers have to have a player that is drafted and developed and really solidified in that role. And to me, again, this is just from the outside looking in, but considering there are no other body types like him on the roster right now, th this move screams that to me. This screams a commitment to that, understanding the dimension that brought to the offense and how dynamic that potentially, you know, Rodgers could be in that role. Yeah, it feels like it feels like there's this section of if you now I know playbooks these days are digital and yeah. all that, but if you look at you know the old big binder you know playbook, it feels like there's this section of the of Matt Lafleur's playbook that just kind of got a key stuck into it and opened up yes. with a guy like this coming on board. And we'll see we'll see where uh, where things go from there. Quickly though, Wes, before I forget, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And if I can close on that point as well, the other thing I like about this move and the fact that you drafted A.J. Dillon last year too, the doors are wide open on Aaron Jones now. How you want to utilize him, where you want to line him up. They had to have him do some of the jet motion stuff late last season. That really, you want to get the ball in his hands. You don't want him to be a misdirection. You have the two back sets. I... I just I think the opportunities are just going to be, and the possibilities are going to be endless with Aaron Jones going yeah. this season. We'll we'll spend the bulk of our next show going through day three of the draft. But before we go on this one, I just have to ask you, as the Bayport graduate, yeah. I need your best, I need your best Cole Van Lannen story. You covered this young gentleman as a high school athlete for the Bayport Pirates in multiple sports. Yeah, and uh, the Packers obviously make the. Uh, make the phone call just uh, a 10-minute drive up the road to Cole Van Lannan's house and 
draft the local boy in the sixth round. Um, just uh, quickly, your favorite Cole Van Landen story, and we'll maybe get to more of them on our next yeah, show. Yeah, you know what I love about Cole Van Landen, and I didn't get a chance to cover him as thoroughly as Andrew Pekarik, my former colleague, did. He, he did so much great work on Cole. But what happened was I was in the middle of transitioning over to covering Packers, but I was still helping out on preps here and there, football and especially track and field. I would go and cover the track and field meet as the number two guy just because I enjoyed it and just because it was an opportunity uh, to still, you know, I, I always like going back to my roots with that stuff. And I remember hearing so much about Cole Van Lannan and this kid, this sophomore that is just this remarkable athlete and is a really big prospect in football, but is also just a, you know, just a, a complete gentle giant. And I had a chance to cover him and shot put and disc at the state tournament and, and just the way he has always carried himself, the way he has spoken even at an early age. Um, just knows how to handle himself. And I, I remember talking to people at Bayport in that right when he was, I mean, I'm not even talking about when he was an all FRCC offensive lineman and he knew he was going to Wisconsin. I'm talking even before that. And people just saying that this kid's going to be really good because he was one of those type of athletes where he just had really big paws. Like you could see this guy is just going to have this. I mean, he was tall from the beginning. Yeah. And he just had this great frame to build off of. And when you think about offensive linemen in the state of Wisconsin, I mean, this is what it looks like. Not that maybe Marv can put up a picture of Cole Van Landen behind me, but <laughs> this is what it looks like. The guy went to Wisconsin, a two-year starter at left tackle. He earned every rep that he took. I'm excited to write something about him in the next two weeks. I just, when when we we went on the clock, you know, and, and it, it ended up being that, uh, you know, we're all getting ready to write our little bulletins and everything, and it ends up being Cole Van Landen. You're like, wow. I mean, it just gives you this recall. Uh, back to those moments. And I, I, last thing I'll say on this, Mike, I know we got to go, but my, myself and Pekarik, we were texting back and forth after the draft, and there were so many years, Mike, where it was just like, hey, signing day comes in February. We got anybody that's signing a Division One, you know, scholarship? Okay, no. Division Two, one uh, FCS? Awesome. And there's just been this surge over the last, you know, five, six years with Alec Ingold, with Cole Van Lannan. Uh, I give Drew Nowak credit for this from DePere. He's the one that I think kind of helped open some doors. Drew Vanderlyn from Southwest. Uh, you talk about Max Sharping now, a second-round pick that was out of yeah. Southwest that then went to Houston. Khalil McKenzie ended up being a really big prospect for Tennessee. James it is Morgan. really cool. It is very neat to see Northeastern Wisconsin this this little, you know, biodome here finally getting some of that respect at the NFL level. Yeah, James Morgan, the Ashwaubenon quarterback as well. as well. Yeah, that's another guy to uh, another guy to put in that mix. Well, we will get to a lot more of day three of the Packers draft rounds four through seven on our next show. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. Everything you need to know about the Packers 2021 draft is on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.